0: 21CL Radio. Hello, everybody. Michael Boll here, and you are listening to the Education Vanguard, where we bring you, in fact, we are on a mission to bring you educational leaders and share their knowledge. Today, we have Mark Johnson from the Concordia International School in Shanghai. If you are a school leader or someone looking for advice on how to bring superb speakers to your school or to add a student-centered U.S. National History project to your program, be sure to give history teacher Mark Johnson a call or at least an email or maybe even a tweet. Mark is a history teacher at Concordia and a leader in bringing the U.S. National History Day program to Asia. NHD empowers students as historians through their History Day program and it takes the best parts of social studies education such as analysis, critical thinking, problem-solving, and creative synthesis, and incorporates these elements into project-based learning that can fit into any history classroom. If you're interested in getting involved in the NHD program, or just want to hear about it, this is the interview for you. Enjoy the interview. Mark Johnson, thanks so much for joining me on the program today. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. Well, I'm glad you are, because I'm glad to have you, of course. And uh, today we're going to talk about you, but not just about you, although that certainly would be worthy of a good discussion. Uh, We're going to talk about the National History Day program, which uh, you play a big role in. Uh, Can you first describe for us what is the National History Day program?
1: So National History Day started in the U.S. back in 1974, Uh and about eight years ago we spread it internationally. And what it does is every year the national office releases a theme, And students around the world have an opportunity to create projects in line with that theme. This year's theme is Leadership and Legacy. In 2016, it will be Exploration and Counter-Exchange. Really what it tries to do is put kids in a position to become historians themselves. Instead of a dry memorization and recitation of factual information, students need to engage in primary and secondary source analysis, ask interesting questions, hone their research skills and ultimately present that work to an authentic audience. Now, they can present in one of five categories, Mm -hmm. research paper, exhibit, website, dramatic performance, and documentary film. And I really enjoy this process because it's all the best of the kind of educational trends, differentiated instruction, integrating technology, project-based learning, inquiry-based assessment. All of that has been going on really since 1974, and now we've been very blessed to spread that to an international audience.
0: So you talk about it not being dry no more, Isn't that just ruin how we learn history? I mean, I thought the way to learn history is you hand somebody a 75-pound textbook and say, go learn it.
1: Well, that's the way to learn it if you want to forget it very soon. Ah, I see. But if you want skills that are really transferable across any discipline and into any workplace, then it's really more about critical thinking, asking questions, and and using critical thinking and problem solving to try and find answers to those questions, Mm -hmm. and then to manipulate that material in a way that makes sense to yourself and then make sense to an authentic audience.
0: Okay, let's talk a little bit about the process. So if I'm a history teacher like yourself, do I just enroll into an HD program? And then what about there's competitions and things that go on from there?
1: Well, in in all of the 50 U.S. states, there are National History Day programs at a state-based level. And so you can get onto nhd.org and see You know, what what region is more appropriate for your location? Mm -hmm. But when we spread it internationally, we ask that same question. Like, could international students who are not in the United States take part in this? And actually, I need to say So it's really the U.S. National History Day project, right? It it was, Ah. but it's now become a world based project. So topics can be chosen outside of the topics US history. can be anything in history can be world history, okay. Chinese history, American history. So in fact the name is a bit of a misnomer. Mm-hmm. National History Day seems to imply that it's American based and that's not true. Mm-hmm. And then the day piece of it implies that it it is one-day process, like you come together and get quizzed on history. Right. That's not true as well. So it's
0: really International History Month.
1: International History Year. Year, yeah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so you'd find out where your local kind of branch is run through, mm-hmm. and then you just engage your students in that inquiry, that analysis, that, that presentation of material, and then you coordinate with the local organizers to have their work seen, appreciated, evaluated, and discussed at a local history competition. Mm-hmm. If they do well at that local competition, they can rise up to regionals, rise up to state, and then from the state level, the top two in every category advance to the world finals that's held in uh, College Park, Maryland, at the University of Maryland, every June. Okay, so, so there's we, thousands of students from around the world now who go to that final
0: competition. But is it more difficult, let's say, if I'm from California versus from Montana, as far as the
1: competition level, does every state get two? It's, it, every state gets two, but in terms of the strength of program, it definitely does differ by state. Washington right. State has a very strong program. Minnesota is a historic powerhouse. So, it's definitely more difficult from those strong historic programs to advance to the national competition.
0: So, they were just leaders or something in those programs that are. They're
1: leaders, they train their teachers well, teachers have really bought into it, and they've integrated it into their curriculum. Uh-huh. Now, what I, you know, a lot of students and teachers and parents get really caught up in the competitive aspect of it, and that's a nice accolade, that's a nice award and mm-hmm. honor for the students. I really like the critical thinking, the empowering students as historians to ask interesting questions and come up with interesting ways to answer those much more than, you know, moving on to some world final competition.
0: Right. Now, I know you are more excited about the process, but I do have to ask about the actual event in Washington. Yeah. So that's like a Super Bowl sized event of people, yeah. right? I mean, I've seen this on TV, yeah. and I'm surprised that they have to hold it in a basketball stadium or
1: It's huge. You know, there's there's several thousand, about 4,000 students who come to compete. Okay. And then family members, friends, teachers, professors, museum professionals come. And it's really nice to see students who are engaged in academic pursuits being celebrated mm-hmm. in this way. So often we hear what's wrong with American education systems or whatever it might be. But that June event at the College Park campus is, is amazing for the, the just the intensity of, of appreciation for learning for learning's sake. Okay, and then within that,
0: event then there's a, that's a, that's yet another competition level that's really the yep. the national or international i guess you could say
1: yeah, level. So, and then so kids win from that every every state and and we're actually a state nhd china has okay. the same equivalent status as minnesota or california mm-hmm. so there's nhd china nhd korea nhd south asia the top 2 in every one of our categories goes to the national competition the world competition to then compete against california florida georgia alabama department of defense schools people from around the world okay
0: so you talked about the different categories, yep. and so we're looking at what, paper, drama, website, uh, film, did I miss anything? Was Exhibit. Those Exhibit as yeah. well. And so which ones are the most popular, and maybe what's your personal favorite?
1: Well, you know, the most traditional is the research paper, and we do that you know, in, in many of our history classes already. And what I want to emphasize is history teachers who might be thinking about incorporating this, mm-hmm. it's not a radical change from what you already do. Mm -hmm. The content that you examine is pretty much the same. You just put kids in a position to do research projects that they already kind of are doing in your classes with this added benefit of having an authentic audience. So there's the research paper category. That's the only one that is only individual. Every other one, you can do it as an individual or a group from two to five. In the United States, the most popular category is the exhibit. You create basically a museum-based exhibit emphasizing the primary sources, the paintings, the graphs, the, Uh the stuff of history. The ones that I think are the most cutting edge in a 21st century learning sense are the website and the documentary film categories. Mm -hmm. And we've seen some kids produce some amazing work in that and becoming filmmakers themselves. And It really takes, you have to choose a topic and then choose your best medium of expression. For instance, if you do some ancient Chinese dynasty, if you do Qin Shi Huangdi, the first Chinese emperor, mm-hmm. you probably shouldn't do film because there's not a lot of archival film footage about it's not Qin not even on YouTube. No, no. Oh, okay. I mean, like, maybe you could check a little more thoroughly than I have. 2,000-year-old <laughs> film clips. So you have to figure out what medium of expression to choose to maximize the research that you've done. There's the dramatic performance category, and if you have kids who are into drama, you can also uh, kind of liaise with your drama instructors. That's another benefit of the program. You can get tech integration specialists, librarian, drama instructors, English teachers, to really be brought into this as a team to support these students in their learning.
0: So do you have a personal favorite yourself? I know you said the exhibit is popular in the US.
1: You know, I like working with the research paper students because what we find a lot of times is the kids who come back from college, they report to us that 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 is still the main form of assessment at the university level, Mm -hmm. and we want to make sure that they're confident going into those college challenges. But I think I have the most fun working with the dramatic performers, thinking about a way to try and, in a 10-minute dramatic performance, how can you use every stage direction, every blocking, every piece of dialogue back and forth to maximize the depth of your analysis and interpretation?
0: Now, I think I would agree with you personally. I think like exhibits is kind of dull to stare at. I mean, anyway, how do you show your creative side on an exhibit versus a dramatic performance?
1: You know, the the exhibit. If you think about like a threefold old science exhibit yeah, board, yeah. that's the bare minimum. Okay. But what these kids do with their exhibits on a much bigger scale are amazing. You go to the world finals, and the actual design, the shape, the the movement, the the rotation of the exhibit. So they use the exhibit board to again put forward their analysis even more. We had an exhibit this year on uh, Shanghai as a last port of refuge for Jewish refugees fleeing uh, Nazi-occupied Europe, mm-hmm. and they carved the, the skyline of Ost- Vienna, Austria into mm-hmm. one half and the skyline of Shanghai into the other half. i just trying to use every little bit of creativity to advance your point.
0: All right, so they got beyond just the text. Exactly. And, and use that. Whole, and the text is intentionally
1: restrictive. So oh. for the exhibits, you only have 500 student-created words, which is tiny, to try and put forward a really complex idea. Yeah. So you have to maximize your creativity with graphs, maps, quotations from people who were actually involved, audio clips, video clips. So. Okay.
0: So there is an emphasis on design. Yeah, For definitely. sure, in that regard. So do you have any, like, I don't know, stories of
1: some of the exhibits or works that you've seen that have stood out for you in the past? Well, a couple, you know, I, I think it's also a way to pique students' interest in history. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I started teaching as, as a history teacher, I would assign everybody, we're going to do an essay on the Battle of Gettysburg. Well, yeah. What if I'm not interested in the Battle of Gettysburg? Well, that's what we're going to do. So,
0: I mean, But who's not interested in the Battle I mean, of Gettysburg? Right. I mean, that's Maybe a, a bad choice, example. But, yeah, yeah.
1: but what I found is is their motivation and passion, we need to try and tap into their pre-existing interests mm-hmm. and use history as a way to indulge those interests. So okay. a couple of years ago, I had a student. In American history, and he knew he wanted to go on to the medical profession. And so we tried to find a topic for him that would allow him to, to pique that interest in his historical research. So we looked back at early inoculations, smallpox inoculations in colonial America, Boston specifically. And the theme that year was debate and diplomacy. So we looked at the debates over the use of these inoculations and what church leaders said and how they said it was the work of the devil or things like that mm-hmm. versus what the layman said versus what scientific pr- professionals said. And he really immersed himself into this topic of the 1770s and 80s and applied it to his future career choice, but it also helps him understand the current debates over inoculations and vaccinations in today's world. Might
0: be some similar arguments. Yeah,
1: yeah. So that's one example. I think Uh some of the most memorable ones, um, You know, teaching and living here in Shanghai, I do look for topics that can allow my students to understand Chinese history and use their Chinese language skills as much as possible. A couple of years ago, a group of four students created a website on the Great Leap Forward, mm-hmm. this disastrous policy from 1958 to 1961 that cost millions of lives. And they got in touch with people who were involved, people who were affected, people who set those policies, people who were impacted by those policies, and they used their Mandarin language abilities to interview witnesses to that event. And they they did a really amazing job. That project actually went on to win the world finals as, as a group website. Oh, wow. And w- yeah. what does that
0: mean? Like, if you win the world finals... I mean, does that mean you're going to to Harvard or Stanford for sure? Well,
1: those students have gone on not because of this, Mm -hmm. but just because of their, their intrinsic motivation, I think, and their analytical skills and their love of learning all together make them very attractive academic candidates mm-hmm. for, for and these kids
0: were they engineers or social studies kind of kids
1: they were more scientific based kids okay. yeah they were more stem based kids but they, they, they looked at this policy and really really dove into it but even that one of the kids in the group was not a very history minded kid mm-hmm. but he could write code and his, his web based <laughs> skills were amazing okay and so actually some of the some of the gadgets he put onto their website were so impressive. That the National History Day organization organization now uses his uh, tips and tools uh-huh. to train other teachers and students after the fact.
0: Okay, so it was just really an, I don't know, I want maybe use the word amalgamation of
1: uh, yeah. of different kinds of skills yeah, in one set. And, and when we talk to kids about forming a group, you want to try and maximize your human resources. You want the the whole to be greater than the sum of its parts and, mm-hmm. and the people you put onto that group should bring very different skills and talents and abilities and and, and through that it, it creates an amazing final product.
0: Okay, so let's go out to a newer teacher at least new to the NHD process mm-hmm. So, and we'll ask you let me ask you to reflect on, on how you got started like what? why do you do this? Because so, you, you brought this program to Asia it was already existing in the US and you've messed mm-hmm. up the whole national thing now it's yeah. going to be international yeah. yesterday so uh, what gets you so excited about it let's say starting from the beginning, and what continues to uh, interest you in the program?
1: Well, I think we need to make our education relevant to students. Mm -hmm. And I love history. It's what I think about when I go to bed. It's what I think about when I get up in the morning. It's what I love doing.
0: You know, there is medication for that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I'm I'm under no illusions that my students are going to love my subject matter as much as I do. But I need to show them how the skills that we use as historians are transferable into any academic discipline and into any profession they choose. So working in a group, asking questions, analyzing questions, and then ultimately presenting your findings in an effective manner to an audience that's any profession you're going to go into. Mm-hmm. And so I think really grounding it in yeah, the, the historical details are important and we love those history stories, but the skills are what are much more transferable and long lasting. And, and, you know, students, undergrad or graduate students coming out of their education training, they hear about, you know, don't lecture. They hear about student based activities, right. active based. This is not a canned program that you just open up to page 55 of the National History Day teacher textbook or something like that. But it's a way to do all those things that you know are good education with a vetted, uh, a, a substantial program that can turn your students into historians.
0: All right. So if I'm listening to you right now and I want to get involved,
1: uh, where do I go? So if you're in the Asia region, you would go to nhGAsia.org And mm-hmm. I would actually like everybody to go there and see a couple of the films that we have on the homepage. There's an amazing film from last year on Angel Island Immigration Station that just will blow your mind when oh, you really? see the work that was done by these students. There's a film there on Shanghai's history as well, and the mm-hmm. students got out and shot original footage and used the history as their tableau to make this film, uh, the city as, as their as their uh, classroom, so to speak. So nhdasia.org, mm-hmm. in our regional sense, in a broader sense, nhd.org is the place to go. And that's where that can start right there and say, Get all the beginning details. teacher. That's where you'd find out where the contests are in your local area. That's where you'd find the resources needed. You could be put into touch with kind of some mentor teachers who could help you along in this process as well.
0: All right, thank you very much. So I've been speaking with Mark Johnson. He's a high school history teacher and certainly an NHD advocate. Thanks so much for your time today, Mark.
1: Thank you very much, Mike.
0: This interview was brought to you by 21st Century Learning International. Find us on the web at 21clradio.com.